0: This week, it's another one of them quiet guys. He does his talking at the scales. Actually, has the all-time record for the most Toyota Series wins ever. He's won a Bassmaster Open. He's won an Elite Series event. And he's a Bassmaster Classic qualifier. Brian Schmidt, this week on... I'm Bob Cobb
1: for the Bassmaster
0: welcome to mercer welcome one welcome all friends family freeloaders whoever you are thank you for joining us on this hump day happy wednesday to each and every one of you welcome to the awkwardly honest fishing podcast that goes by my last name which is mercer thank you very much for tuning in here um hope you all had a great long weekend whether you're in canada It was Canada Day on last Friday and then uh, the 4th of July this past Monday in America. So uh, I hope you had a holiday. And if you were listening from another country that had a different holiday or didn't have a different holiday, let us know in the comments. I mean, it's awesome to find out how far-reaching this podcast is at times. I mean, some of the comments we get um, are from countries that I never, ever imagined would listen to this. But, man, I am thankful. And speaking of being thankful 110,000 subscribers already on YouTube. Unbelievable. I mean, two weeks ago, we hit 100,000. Have not slowed down since. So to steal a line from the great Pat McAfee, be a friend, tell a friend, keep this little podcast growing as you guys have. It's um, pretty incredible. And this week's show is going to be a fun one with Brian Schmidt, um, a great dude, an incredibly accomplished dude. And I think a lot of times... People don't see those accomplishments just because he's a quieter guy. I mean, as I said in the intro, is the all-time record for the most Toyota Series wins. He's won the lead. He's won an Open. He's qualified for the Classic. He's a good dude, and he's a dude that we need to hear more from. So that's why I'm having him on the podcast this week. And um, I hope you agree at the very end of the podcast. But without further ado, let's get with the Schmidt, Brian Schmidt. Brian Schmidt, thank you very much for doing this. And um, I I reached out to some of your fellow Elite Series brethren, I guess, and, and, you know, said, hey, what should I talk to Schmidt about? And they're like, well, he's kind of a boring guy. All he does is fish. Is that correct or wrong? Right or wrong? That's correct. (laughs) So how would you explain Brian Schmidt to me if I've
1: never met you before? A fish junkie, man, you know, ate up with fishing. I do the elite series, you know, the full tournament schedule there. As soon as I'm back home, I'm on the charter boat running fishing trips. And then the rest of my time, I really try to make family count. Ah, uh, you know, I'm very, very fortunate to fish totally for a living. and you know you gotta balance everything, but i'm i I am probably pretty boring, man, cause all I'm thinking about is the next fish you know i want to get to bed early get the, you know do it again and you know some of these guys i don't know how they do it man they 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 seem to have a a life other than fishing and late at night and stuff like that i i just can't do it i don't know
0: who who's up latest at night do you think like the who's the anti brian schmidt
1: i would say the johnstons you know and and, and so guys they run with uh they seem to have some late nights, and I, my hats off to them, man. I can't do it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hear you, and and one of those may or may not have been one of the people that I questioned about you. Uh, but you, you, I mean, you've known the Johnsons for years, obviously competing against them, not just here at the Elite Series, but on FLW.
1: Yeah, I, I got to meet Corey first years, years ago. Uh, this young guy's in a creek that I'm, I'm fishing a Toyota series on the Potomac or whatever it was called way back then and this guy was kicking my butt well luckily he didn't go there day one he only went there day two barely missed the day three cut if he was in there the first day he would have beat me in that event and that's how we sh- struck up a relationship I you know I wanted to get to know him and how's this guy from Canada coming down here and figuring all this out and we hit it off. And then I got to meet Chris and so on and so forth. And for years, man, me and Corey would duel it out on the tidal rivers, you know, and I never would come up to his neck of the woods. I knew better than that, but he would come down here and and do very, very well, man. Those, those guys can, they can, they can hold their own anywhere they go. I think that's what's coolest
0: thing about the elite series that nobody really talks about or nobody, but it, what the Johnsons always have been, everybody that grew up around them, myself included, knew what they would become one day. And, and I think that people that probably grew up around you knew that what you would become one day. I mean, it is a bunch of people who, who said, nah, I'm not interested in baseball and soccer and football and all these other things that people are playing. And some of them played it, but it's just people that are obsessed by fishing. You would classify yourself as one of those people. 100%, man. Yeah, for sure. When did that for- start? Like, when, when do you remember being like that? I need to fish
1: forever. <laughs> it's very simple. Like, I did, you know, lakes and ponds. My father took me as a young, young age, just fishing off the the bank, and fell in love with bass. I saw one bass jump. I was hooked. Isn't that on- weird? How how that's because it's for a lot of us. I mean,
0: yes, catching trout was cool, catching salmon was cool, but bass were different.
1: <laughs> different right away. You, it was just something different. And then you know, fast forward, get through high school. I was big into sports, but still like fishing. Graduate high school, and I get uh, my first bass boat. It's a really beat up 16 foot Cajun bass boat was raging Cajun, raging Cajun, dangerous to drive it to the ramp, like (laughs) worried about the wheels fault. Like, so whatever I get in, I join a club and my first club tournament, blind luck, Dave, this I know it to the, to the day I won the event, but it was blind luck. So you're 18, 19 years old, you win your first tournament. That's it. It's a wrap. You know, I'm going to do this. It was a, it it just drove me, drove me crazy. You know, I want to do so good. Well, there was two years I got my butt kicked in that club for two years. But luckily, some of the guys took me under their wing and taught me so much. And I was like a sponge, you know, learning as we go. And then it developed and I started doing good and progressed to the state level. And then, you know, branched out from there and then started doing really good you know, regionally. And I said, you know, I'm going to take a chance and try to do this as a professional. And first couple of years tried to do what we do on the Potomac everywhere I went and that didn't work. And we learned and we adapted. we learn about spinning rods and clear water and stuff like that. And now, you know, I'm not as versatile as I need to be, but I've been around long enough. I've seen enough things, you know, and I can adapt and I'm very pri- privileged to do it, man. What, what sports did you play in high school? I got I to go back to that and ask you. Football, basketball, lacrosse. Yes, so, sir. I
0: put- but that never was anything compared to fishing. I mean, there was fishing and sports were just something you did, or, or was it you were just better at fishing?
1: Uh, it, that's a whole weird thing, but I was ate up with basketball just as I am with fishing. There was a time where fishing kind of took a backseat in middle school and high school to to basketball. And whatever reason it didn't work out, you know, and, and I realized I'm not going to be in the NBA. You know, fishing was right right there again. And then, and then as soon as we were done with high school, it was like all in, you know, and just every spare minute I could, I was fishing. So is there
0: anything you took from those sports or is fishing totally different? Cause I do see some people that come from other sports and a lot of times you see them and they are trying to get pumped up before takeoff. They have tunes in their ears and they're, and it almost like to the letter. I mean, it almost is a negative in fishing. I've found, you know what I mean? Like the more calm mellow somebody is, the more successful they seem to be in this sport.
1: As you know, I'm pretty calm. I'm pretty Very mellow. calm. And I know that, you you know, it's a mental game, man. And, and the, the playing sports, the coach would always teach, you know, you got to know what you're supposed to do. Keep your, you know, keep your mind about you. Don't make mistakes, control what you can control and work hard at it. And we've adapted that a little bit to fishing. And then being from where I, where I am on the Potomac upper Bay, you always fish in crowds. So I learned a long time ago, you can't be worrying about what everybody's doing. You got to just focus in on what you, what you do. And I kind of will put blinders on to everything other than what I'm doing fishing. And it, it works for me at times, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, clearly it has, I mean, you, (laughs) you've gotten an incredible record. If I look at, you know, the success you've had, obviously the all time record for the most wins in Toyota series events. Um, You know, you've got a few tour level wins, We've won a lot, but when I look through and I, and I don't mean this is a negative, but I but when I look through your place and I'm like, dude's in sixth, dude wins, dude is in twelfth, dude is in ninety eighth, eighty eighth. Like if you could remove those, like literally replace those eighties with forties, you'd be in contention for Angler of the Year every year. Almost it seems. Why,
1: Dave? Dave it's it's something that I'm really trying to gather myself. You know. On FLW, it's, it, it was different. You know, there was 180 guys or something like that, and you could have a bomb, and the top 10 would erase it, you know. And, and and not to say the talent was any different, but it just seemed like the points were a little different. I wish somebody would have beat me in the head when I came to the and said, Brian, do you realize how important every point is? And it just wasn't the nature that I had to – you know, FLW, four or five years, that wasn't as important. You could make the Forestwick Cup with a few bombs if, as long as you had a few top tens. The League series is different. It's 90 killers. Every point matters, man. And my first year, buddy, it was like I, I was going to come out here and I was going to hit a home run on every tournament make some noise. Well, you can't always fish like that. And for the life of me, it seems like I either hit a home run or like you said, I'm I'm down there and it's like I'm out to lunch. But the reality of it is I think I cannot accept if I'm not on the right thing. Once you know the right thing, it's like you keep searching for it. And it, and it's like, OK, it's time to back up and punt, Brian, get every point you can. And for some reason, it's so hard for me to do that because I keep searching for the for the winning or the the home run in the Derby. And some of these events, Dave, it just seems like when it's really time to back up and punt, that that doesn't exist. It's like, you know, these Santis and and, and, and these Chickamaugas are so good, all these huge bags, but you can't just go get five. Like, it's not like, okay, man, it's not working. Let's just go over here and skip these docks and get five. It, it doesn't exist so even when you're cracking them you're only getting seven eight bites a few bad things like that going on and in my mind you know you gotta find it it it's happened for many years so it's nothing new to me but unfortunately on the leaf series I got to catch them you know I gotta I gotta I gotta figure out that medium you know if I continue fishing in the leaf series I would love to figure out that medium Take my good tournaments, and when it's not going to be a good tournament, just salvage every point I can, and let's see how the points could do. I did it one year on FOW, just had a kind of solid year, top 10 in points, and it was like I didn't make a lot of noise, but I just didn't have these crazy bombs, you know. We'll see, man, but I know, I know, buddy, it's like I, it's either way up here or way down here. It, it kills me, man. I know I'm better than that. That first year, is that all it was? Because, because
0: I mean, I'm sure you know, but, but one of the chatters, probably behind your back, but not in a negative way, is yeah. like, man, what's happening with Schmidt? Because yeah. you're accepted amongst all the anglers as a guy that you got to watch pretty much everywhere. But man, that first season was—it was almost like you got caught in an avalanche, and the, and the snow as the went down the hill, the the snowball got bigger and bigger and harder to lift. It like from the outside, that's what it looked like, anyways.
1: one hundred percent, it's all on me, Dave. I didn't catch them at the end of the day. No excuse is going to make it right. I didn't catch them. There was a combination of things that I think contributed to it. The season, you know, the COVID season, we got into these fall events yeah. a little bit. Kind of had a few of those tournaments marked on my calendar for the original date. You know, and you got a lot of feelings to what would have happened. You couldn't get away from that. That's all in my head. And and just like I said, just really didn't realize how important every point was. That was my first year. As long as I've done it, you think I would have known this, but it's just different on the Elite Series. You can't say all heck. I'm going to keep swinging. you got to get every point. And sometimes, you know, just, hey, let's just back up and punt. And I didn't do any of that. And then a couple events were going to go very, very well. And some weird stuff happened. Like they pulled water out of places. We got stuck. And those were getting ready to be a home run, you know, just weird, weird stuff. But, unfortunately, that's going to be on my back until we get get that, you know, we're fortunate to make five years we can get rid of that one bad year. So it's it's on my back, and it's it's like this big elephant, you know. And like last year, I kind of was slipped. I started off with a bang, then started slipping, and then ended with a bang. You know, made the classic, well in the good classic points, and kind of offset the first yeah. year. This year, same thing. Started off good, dug a big hole. Hopefully we're on an uphill trend, can still make the classic very easily. We make the classic, we get rid of all the bad juju with all that stuff, and then hopefully next year go better and we can get rid of that first year. But I don't know, Dave. I don't know. You know, that's one of the things you hear people say about elite
0: qualification. You hear people say things like, I mean, you get two years or, you you know, and and guys that had more, but it's not really you get two years. Yeah, you, you get two years before you're cut, but if you have one bad year, it is so hard to dig de- the, the fact that we're even having this conversation I mean you've made a classic in your time here you've won an elite you've multiple top tens there's probably nobody in the world that thinks you have this pressure on you but but because of the first season you you're deaf are you
1: safe now or are you still worried about that line right now, if it ended right this second with three to go, I think I'm borderline uh with just a couple you know decent events were well inside the good but right now you know cuz i had three really bad events this year in a row pickwick we got a sixth place we so we're on this good momentum but that pickwick that bailed me out tremendously dave and uh you know right now i'd be close to be to stay on if it ended right now but uh, fortunately we're going up north i like catch a fish it's not up north it's like I don't know if I'm going to catch five. No, you're going to catch five. When you leave this boat ramp, you got five. It's already the right ones. And and I like that, man. It's more about finding the fish. It's, you're not, Oh man, I'm, I'm found these fish, but I can't get them to bite. They're biting something weird. No, they're biting up North. Just find the right ones. And, and that's what I think I'm good at is finding fish, you know, and, Some of these guys might be better at triggering these fish on these highly pressured places, but I think I have a knack for finding fish. So I'm looking forward to going up North. Hopefully we can do our job, man. And, you know, but it's you, there's no guarantees on the leads. Everybody wants to be here. Everybody that's here is so good at what they do. They eat, sleep, drink it. You can't slip. It's not, it's, I think there should almost be like a meeting. Like, Hey guys, every point matters you know, when you come over here, you better think about this. There's no guarantee. Like, so like a guy like me, i build a little bit of a career, you know, you know, I got a lot of companies that I'm affiliated with. They believe in me, dude, it could, it could be gone, you know, And, and it's a lot of pressure. And I, and my wife, you know, she's, we've been together 20 years since way back in the day, in the blow up boat days, you know, and she has seen this whole thing. And man, I, I tell her all this stress and, and, you know, she helps me through it, but then she's like, right, you're where you want to be. Just make it happen. You know, it. we got to make it happen, Dave. That's all there is to it.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't think I, I mean, it seems like the last few shows this has become a big topic because, but it is a big topic in fishing. I, I don't think anybody understands the kind of stress that you guys are under not to make a check that week, but to keep, I mean it doesn't matter where what you do for a living like most people's job is literally not on the line after you've had a career for as long as you've had um but I'm predicting that you're going to have three incredible northern events. I mean St. Lawrence River you did good there last year. Um did you've won in lacrosse in the past? Um what about South Dakota? What are we expecting there?
1: Dave, I, I because of this what we just talked about, the pressure, everything. I made a long trip to South Dakota last year, the same week we're going. Felt like it was beneficial tremendously. Uh, me and Austin Felix actually did it. Then we both didn't feel comfortable going all the way out there by ourselves. Two boats, you know, we stayed together and, you know, we split the lake up. and Just tried to learn, you know, and, and looking forward to that event tremendously uh that's going to be a special special derby there man for sure
0: are you one of the guys saying that we'll crack a hundred there uh, i'm hearing some mumbling that i mean some people obviously if it, and it was good last time we went there but the but but we're on the total opposite end of the lake from what i hear the better end of the lake and the, and the lake has gotten a lot better since we were there correct what
1: i've seen it, it is tremendous i don't know if it's a hundred awesome Felix feels that way he he feels it could happen i i think it's gonna be flirting all over it it's gonna catch so many people off guard like oh wow how far south Dakota like they got <laughs> it it was tremendous man it was it was so it was so good dave it was it was kind of crazy it, it was so These are going to be three really good tournaments, man. And uh, very, very glad to have the opportunity to fish them. And hopefully we'll take advantage of it and do our job, man. Yeah, that that lake is so weird,
0: too, because you're you're literally in the middle of nowhere. Like when you look, and I don't think even coverage people realize, but you drive and you're just like, I mean, I I equated to when you're crossing Erie. Or Lake Ontario, there's times where you're crossing and you're like, I don't see land anywhere, and I am in, you know, might as well be on the moon. That's kind of what it feels like on Hawaii. I mean, you guys were restricted last time because there's nowhere to get gas. I mean, you can get gas, but there's no gas stations.
1: (laughs) Big deal. That's a big deal. You're 100% right. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The canyons, I've never seen anything like that. And, you know, you get out there, you don't know what to expect and you catch a small mouth and then all of a sudden, wait, there's like a school under the boat and and they just stay there. It's like, it's like nobody has really fished for them. You know, I guess there's a little bit of walleye fishing, but it's good in one aspect. There's going to be a ton of fish caught. It's going to be a tremendous event, but buddy, you're going to have to catch them in that one, like. 17 pounds, not going to be too good. You know, and it's so big too, Dave, like you, like you said, there's nowhere to get gas, you know, breakdowns like it, it's giant and it can get rough as well. It, uh, it'll be a
0: fun one. It's going to be a fun way to end the season. Mm -hmm. But one thing you did mention was you're a charter boat captain. And and I think when most people hear a bass pro say, Oh yeah, I run a charter, They just assume, oh, you take them out in your bass boat. But this is a totally different type of boat and a totally different type of setup, correct?
1: Yes. So I'm very fortunate. I worked for my father-in-law for 20 years. He has this awesome business on the Chesapeake Bay. It's Loosen Up Charters. He's been doing it for 30-some years. Well-respected and very popular boat. Work for him still to this day, but about... Seven years ago, you know, we came together and said, I should get a boat as well. Cause he has some, he, at the time he was giving away so many trips, people would call last minute. Yeah. Hey, we go tomorrow. Well, he gives it to this other guy. Well, if that group has a good time with that person, they're not going to call my father-in-law, Frank Carver to come back. They're going to call that guy. Yeah. But they had time. They're not going to call. So I got a boat. Both boats are busy. You know, we run six to twelve people almost every day. Sometimes two a day. My father-in-law's boat runs almost twice a day, May first till December. Uh, we catch striped bass, cobia, all sorts of stuff. You know, it's it's a charter boat where it's you know it's it can be a social kind of atmosphere for people. They they can you know just relax, have fun, and you know fish as well. And sometimes we get really serious fishermen. We do different stuff with them, but. It's a big deal. Like, yesterday afternoon, I ran a trip, 15 people, and we caught our limit, man. And what's crazy is we're running so far north on the Chesapeake Bay right now, we're fishing where I bass fish. Like, there's some weird things going on on the bay, salinity and stuff like that. But it's awesome, man. I'm very privileged to do it. Very bad deal this year with fuel, but we're all going through it. Yeah. I mean, how how big is your boat? It's 42 foot. You know, we burn a lot of diesel, man. (laughs) So,
0: so you're like the only bass pro that like goes to a tournament and is like, whew, thankfully I'm only filling up a
1: bass boat today. Yes. And another thing that's bad about that is I'll get off the big boat. I'll run a week of trips on the big boat and I'll get to somewhere like Champlain or thousand islands and there are two and three footers out there. Who cares? (laughs) Well, whoa, whoa, this isn't my 42 foot boat. So. (laughs) little brazen with rough water, probably not as bad as the Johnson's, but I'll, you know, I'll go out there a little bit. That's pretty cool. So, so, I mean,
0: you've had all kinds that, I mean, that is a fishing boat kind of party boat. Just,
1: it, it all depends. Yes. Yep. Yep. You're a bartender, security guard, fisherman, entertainer, you know, it's a lot.
0: It's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. So, and you still do how many
1: trips a year doing that? My, I, my boat goes about 200 trips a year. Unfortunately, this wow. year, I'm not going to be there as much uh, as normal. I, I sign up to fish a lot of events, but generally speaking, Dave, if I'm home, I'm there. You know, I, I, I try to do that, man, as much as I can. But this year with me being gone so much for events, I'm also trying to take a little time to spend with the family as much as I can too, man. You know, when you're traveling, my family doesn't travel. You got to balance everything. And my son's at a very important age that he needs daddy a lot. And, you know, just, it is what it is, man.
0: And trust me, um, my, my kids are getting older and, and daddy needs his son a lot too. trust me. Those there's no time. I mean, no matter what I've done in, in life and I've been lucky to be able to do a lot of cool things, but there's nothing I've ever done with my kids that I look back on in my family and been like, yeah, that was – really shouldn't have done that. That was stupid to spend time together. Well, I mean, right. they might have said – they might say that about me in some instances. Talk to me about your uh, your road family. Who do, you,
1: who, do you, who do you room with on the road? So, Cruz, Johnny Cruz, uh, Derek Hudnall, and um, Ed Locker. You know, really good group of guys. There's no drama. Dave, you know, it, it's hard to find a scenario with no drama. And these guys are no drama, no fuss, no muss. We all kind of have our own routine. John likes to book the house. We all show up, pay what we got to pay. And, and, you know, we just go at it. We, we work together a little bit, you know, hey, maybe not spots, but hey, man, you know, figured out a little deal. Maybe try this where you're fishing, and, and it's just a good atmosphere, you know what I mean? Do you like
0: that, working with other anglers? Or, or is that something you do because, I mean, it's become a necessity because there's a lot of anglers working together in the Elite Series now?
1: I, I do, yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it's important to, to, you know, have a couple people that you can really count on you know, hey, your back's against the wall. You know, and you're really not seeing anything, and somebody's going to shoot you straight. So yeah, it it, there, it is good. Um, sometimes I wonder, you know, if some of us would do better if, hey, you weren't allowed to do that, and you yeah. only to count on yourself. And and you know, but that's just not the way it is. So hey, man, if everybody's doing it, everybody's kind of got their click you better have a couple of guys you can lean on as well. And, and
0: from talking to you guys, it seems like the most important thing is just trust. It's having people that not so much the information they give you, but when they do give you information, whether it be that's happening or not happening, you you have to be able to trust them. You have to be able not just that they're telling you the truth, but trust their abilities to know like, Hey, I don't need to go second. Check it. You I- know, if he says they're not eating, no, a crank or whatever the technique is, you, you, you have faith in ability in them. Big, big deal. Exactly. Right. I agree with that. If you could change one real one rule on the elite series, what would it be? Or, I mean, or just introduce a rule to it. Or is that it?
1: <laughs> you know, there was something I was thinking about recently. I, I wish I could remember it. There was something I was like, Man, we should do that. Um, definitely no off day. Brian does not like the off day. I like to let's get it going. Uh, number one, one more day away from the family. Yeah. No, you kind of lose a little feel of what's going on. Like, yeah, you get to rig up and rest, but like, I like, you know, at 5 p.m. the day before the tournament. Going to check something, Dave, and get a couple bites. And you're like, I'm gonna see you in 12 hours. You know, I feel better about that than having that full day for something, especially in the spring, man. Everything can change so quick. That would be that would be the deal for me, which you know it's not a big rule, but hey, let's just get rid of it, you know, and especially the way fuel and everything is now, just another day of travel. So yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I, it's weird, that off day, which we never had off days. Um, and then it became a thing where anglers, because at FLW, you guys had a, off days. So, so with the influx of a lot of FLW anglers, they started asking for it. And now it's like, there's like 10% of the people that adamantly want it. There's 10% of the people that adamantly don't want it. And then the 80% is like, eh, they, their vote swings depending on who they're standing beside. Am I right?
1: Yes, you're
0: exactly right. Yep. <laughs> so we'll we'll see. And and I agree, like especially in the spring. Like if it's if it's later in the year when things set up and stay set up, but at the spring of the year, uh, you know, everything changes so quick, and it almost feels like every time we have an off day, we get screwed because it's like that's the day that they would have been chomping, and we start the next day when it's not near as good. Yep, yep. It um what motivates you more? A good event like coming off a big finish or a bad event.
1: A oh, good event. I'm big in momentum, man. You know, like you know, feel good, the drive home is good, so definitely a good event, David. It, it it starts to roll a little bit, you know, when seems like when things are kind of going bad, it's like you know, you just have a bad run of you just didn't check something at the right time or whatever. And when it, when things are going good, man, it's like, you just kind of fall into it, man. You know, it's like, I can do this. Like here they are. Like they're blowing up right here. You know, like it's so good, good event for sure.
0: It's crazy though, because I, and I totally agree with you from everything I've seen when people get rolling, when they stop second guessing and they're just like, Oh, they're doing this. Okay. Let's go do that. Oh, they're not, well, they'll be here then. Like it's almost a certainty, but it's like the hardest thing. Like I've watched anglers on both sides of it, like literally the same individual when they're on, you know, when they've got it going and when they don't have it going and you're like, even if I said this to them, I just make the problem worse because it, then you're like, okay, I got to be happy. I got to be more certain. And you're, you're trying to force yourself. Is that one of the most frustrating things as a professional angler, you know how to do it, but you, you just can't, make it
1: happen all the time it it truly is and you it can get so bad where you're like dude i don't even belong out here but last week i just won a tour of it what you know but like the next week i shouldn't even be out here i don't deserve to be out here and literally you're like a cast away from it you know and you don't even know it but when it's going good man you, you, hey, you pull over. Your wife calls, and you kind of drip. Oh, wait, hold on, babe. Like, there's a five pounder. You know, like it, it's weird how it happens, man. You know, and, and I've been doing it long enough. Like, when things start to happen, you, you you start to see little glimpses of like, wow, that shouldn't have happened, but it did. It's going to be a good week, and and you know, I'm big into that kind of good juju kind of stuff, and. Dude, it, it you know I'm gonna try my best, man, and and work my butt off. And it's like, you know, when it's bad, man, I just try to I try to have about twelve hours to myself. You know, hey, twelve hours. I don't want to be around anybody. Just kind of, whoo, you know, and move on. And then then I'm good. You know, and but it, it's so rewarding when it does happen. Good, man. You know, like you feel so good, like you figured it out, or you know, it's an awesome deal, but it's like it's like this day, it, and and that's the difference. You know, Brian Schmidt compared to like Brandon Polanek and and Seth Bider and these guys is always you you know there's none of this. You know, and, and I don't understand. Like I can win, man. You know, I can win with the best of them, man. But sometimes it's it's just too much of that. You know. <laughs> you've won a lot. I mean, if you compare the number,
0: you know, like several couple of tour level wins, but I think your total wins is like 14, 15, 14 wins. I think anything, those all have in common. Like, is, is there anything like in your head where you're like, Oh uh, yeah, when I won, I wore the lucky underwear, What, like, or is it, or is something on the water?
1: grass i mean that's that's the biggest thing most every one of them have related to grass i think of yeah of some sort it's either a river or a lake with grass and um you know i've had some solid events not fishing grass but man dude it's like if there's if there's grass on a fishery my confidence levels through the roof and then now take away the grass If there's a fishery, Dave, that presents itself where I can live scope, I'm very confident with that. So, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Grass or live scoping, you know what I mean?
0: What what do you say to the people that say that live scoping is destroying this sport and they don't want to watch some dude with his head down the whole time and you're chasing the fish and for the first time in fishing, the anglers have a huge advantage over the fish. What what
1: do you, what is your take on that? The there's, a, you know, evolution. That's always happening. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It's always happening naturally. So just think guys, you guys that don't like the live scope, you know, I'm in a situation. We're all in a situation that we're fishing professionally. And that if you don't use you know, technology that you're allowed to use on this level, you're doing yourself an injustice. We must do this or you're going to you're going to get beat. But you got to think about this for you guys that don't like livestock, the fish that are getting left alone, the old school. Just we're going to go fishing, you know, on the bank in a thicker vegetation, flipping trees, whatever. Those fish are kind of getting left alone a lot more. A lot of guys want to just be in this open water using a live scope. So things are going to change. Things are going to evolve. I personally feel like with all this attention offshore with this technology, these fish are going to retreat and just start living on the bank, like we don't yeah. get with. So it, it's a it's a tough deal, man. But it's these fish are going to get caught. You know, and there's always going to be some kind of new technology. It's just, we have to do what we have to do, man. I mean, that is an awesome tool. It's not the end all be all. There's still fish that, Hey, I could see them and they're not going to bite my stuff, but it's, it's an awesome, awesome deal. We have.
0: Have you noticed it
1: changing bodies of water already? Oh yeah, I would say, and I've, I've Dave, I believe me. I think I've noticed that. On some of these fisheries that are getting live scope and, and these forward-seeing sonars applied a lot, I've noticed I'm pointing at them at 90 feet, and I've noticed their behavior change before I even throw at them. My trolling motor's not even on. I've noticed their behavior changing, like they kind of want to get away from whatever's facing at them at 90 feet. So it's, it's definitely changing. Yes, it's going to be interesting how it goes.
0: I got to give fighter credit because I mean, this was like three years ago or whatever that he kind of predicted that to me. He's like, in a few years, it's going to be a casting contest. He said, you know, because it, and if you equate it to, Hey, remember when we used to mark a fish right below your boat on the great lakes and like, it was a 90% or 95%. If you mark it, you drop on it. Boom. Now you have to move away from those fish that, and now the 90 percent, you know, and some days might be 20 percent, literally, you know, dropping on fish. So he just kind of assumed that the same thing would happen with that. And, you know, they're going to start to see further. And then it, he said, you know, a few years from now, it's just going to be who can cast the furthest. So the fish doesn't, you know, feel the live sonar. But that is kind of what I'm seeing on a lot of the fisheries that
1: that it, it becomes a big player on. Big time, yeah. We'll we'll see. It's changing already. It's changing already. You know the, the the level of everybody's fishing has has taken off. Everybody's gotten better at fishing over the last five years. Technology's helped everyone. More fish are getting caught, way more than they used to. We all talk about how good it used to be. Well, there's thousands more yeah. people fishing now on a regular basis with better equipment. So more fish are technically getting caught every year they're just getting smarter a lot quicker yeah
0: and i think people don't give mother nature enough credit i mean in my lifetime i've heard that zebra mussels were going to destroy the great lakes (laughs) they actually helped a lot of the great lakes um gobies were the next thing that was going to this is it's over and there's species that you know we all know what it did to bass but there's species in the great lakes that never that were going away. And now they're booming because of gobies and things like that. So it's, I think we give, you know, we, we always want to say, Oh, this is it. This is the bad thing. That's going to cause fish problems. But as you said, like they're going to move to shore, they're going to do different things that they're a lot smarter than, I don't think they think like we do, but they just react to things. And, and, and which is probably smarter when you think about things, the more you think about things, they usually don't work out right. When you react to them, they usually do, which is what we were talking about as a tournament angler. Yes, sir. I agree. Yeah, really. It's really uh, it's really interesting stuff. I'm interested to see where it goes in the future. I'm interested. And I don't, I kind of, when you hear people say, oh, it's destroying this and that. I mean, I just, I, I heard that about other sonars too. Like, you know what I mean? Like the very first graph, I'm sure they said that about. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see wh- where it goes from here. Who's uh who's the biggest pranker on tour? Like, is there anybody on tour that like is is always messing with you guys?
1: I I do know uh, Buddy Gross likes pranking. Really, buddy Buddy will prank you. I, I stayed with Buddy for a little bit. He he's got a little bit of pranking in him for sure. He one one night we were sleeping in separate rooms and he start banging on the door you know and you know late at night you know late at night like as if somebody's breaking in like buddy buddy'll prank you for sure
0: who who are you least likely to room with in the future
1: uh probably uh matt robertson because like I'm scared of him you know like I, I, don't know. <laughs> I like some minutes I think he's like in a good mood and then like the other biz, like I hear him talking about wrestling and fighting people. Like, I don't know, man. I'd be too nervous to stay with him.
0: He should be nervous of fighting if you see his record. I mean, he talks about it a lot, but really is not very good at it from, from oh, the record all right. that I've seen. I okay. mean I've never seen a I mean well, he's, he's been training. I think he's going to come back. Uh, <laughs> the Northern Swing's going to be big for him and his wrestling career. But you don't see any of that because you're in bed already when all that yeah. stuff.
1: Happens. Light, as soon as it gets dark, we're in bed.
0: Sometimes. So what's, what's your goal in the sport of fishing? I mean, you've won a lot, um, but you've got to have some goals, I'm sure. I'm looking behind you. You've got a lot of trophies, and uh, you've done very good. But what is the ultimate goal for you in this
1: sport? It it is, at this point, Dave, continuing this career on the Elite Series. Um, I got a blue trophy. I want to continue this career. I would like to stay fishing the Elite Series. So that's number one. And number two is to have to make a classic that's possibly on a grass, you know, a grass fishery. You know, I guess they'll continue doing it in March time frame to possibly one day make a classic that's on a grass fishery. And, you know, that, that's where we're at, you know, to maybe threaten a classic, you know, make a run at a classic. And, and also to get off these slides, like maybe not win angler a year, but Hey, let's maybe top 10 in points would be like awesome, man. You know, like, but that gets back to just keeping the career. You know, I just, I would like to have some kind of peace of mind within the next two years, like, my back's not against the wall. I kind of buy, you know, a few solid years. I don't have to worry as much about it, about re-qualifying. That's, that's where we're at.
0: How, how many guys on tour do you think that does that obsess them, that that whole re-qualifying? 50%. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: shocking. It, it, 50%. I wow. wish, like, I feel like I shouldn't be there but i am there man you know i'm one of them for sure big time
0: are you superstitious at all
1: yeah so you know we start catching a couple of fish we're not changing our hat you know so when we, <laughs> listen to this when we we're at pickwick i started catching a few fish well the shorts that i was wearing i had like 4 they're, you know they're hook shorts i had four different colors of the same shorts No, we're wearing the same ones. I would come home every evening, wash my jersey, wash the shorts, and wear the same thing. So that's how superstitious I think. Like little things start going right. Oh, no, we don't want to change anything. Got to have the same Pop-Tart, same banana, same Mountain Dew every morning. You know, like all these little things. But, hey, if it's not going good, the hell with like (laughs) (laughs) we. we'll change everything.
0: Who is the most superstitious on tour?
1: You know, Brian New's pretty superstitious, man. If you watch him, like, lay out, he's got a routine, man. Like, the way he has his rods every day, like, everything's got to be in order. And I know it's all about, you know, keeping the same kind of mindset superstitious. Like, if you go mess with one of his rods, like, move it a little bit or turn one of his reel handles, like, he's very, I, I would say for somebody I know very well, he's pretty superstitious too.
0: I would have never picked him as a superstitious. Because, I mean, from the outside, he looks like such a spaz. Like, and I've told like, he's just running back and Like, he runs to the parking lot. He runs, like, all over the place. Um, I just wouldn't expect a guy that is that spazzy to be superstitious. Dude,
1: I'll tell you, I don't think anybody works more behind the scenes, like, before the event on prep and stuff like he seems like that dude, but I'm telling you, buddy, he's more organized. Just one time, just ask him if you could open up his, like, uh, his big compartment on his front deck, you'll be blown. Like everything is so organized. Like it, he, he is, but he isn't, you know what I mean? I'm telling you, he's no joke when it comes to that. Is work
0: ethic the biggest thing? But when you get to this level, I mean, everybody can fish.
1: I think some guys, it's a big deal. I think some guys, dude, I, it just falls into place a little bit easier. You know, maybe we'll go out at 8 a.m. tomorrow and pull off at 5 and, hey, they top 10. it. Some guys, they pull off early and get out a little later and, and the events don't go good. And then there's some guys like. They got to be there first thing to the last second, the whole day they're working their butts off and some guys get rewarded by doing that. I just can't justify myself. Dave. you know, I might not catch them, but I can't justify driving home. And I didn't work hard enough. Yeah, Like if I didn't catch them and I worked hard, it's okay. But dude, I pulled off two hours or I didn't have this ready and it cost me some time. You got to do that, man. You know, everybody's good at this level. You can't let somebody outwork you.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Takumi, I think, explained it best to me. He's like, man, we all give up so much, you know, to be away from home and to chase this. And he's like, and nobody knows how it's going to work out. But if I'm going to be away from my family, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm not, because le- that's got to be the worst feeling in the world. You know, even if you get a check and you're leaving, okay, you're like, but I took a half day off. <laughs> I mean, that
1: 30th maybe could have been a top 10. Yes. And at the end of the year, those valuable points, you know, so yeah, man, I, I'm a big proponent of, of putting in that work. You know, um, when, when I leave, everything at home is taken care of. My wife, she'll call me at night. We'll have, you know, talk about what's going on, but it's all in, sun up to sundown. I might not be able to do as much prep, pre-prep, like tackle prep as I would like to do. It's just the way it is with life and, and, and you know, another job. But when I get there, it's game time. And, 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 you know, I just, I believe being out there as much as you can, helps there's so many random times they were just like we talked about some weird thing right at the last second something jumped over there there's a whole damn school well you could have missed that by two minutes that carried you all the way to the top 10 you know and it's a big deal you can't i can't brian smith's not good enough to pull out early and not work hard you know i gotta work hard
0: Have you ever finished pre-fishing knowing you're going to win a tournament? Like, really, in your heart, been like, lots can go wrong, but if this goes right, it is game over.
1: I think I have. Yeah, I think one Potomac event, I found some, like, you you know how you ever find fish where they're not supposed to be there? Yeah. Some weird thing. I found that on the Potomac, which was a rarity, and they were there for a month leading up to a derby. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And I checked them, like, the day before the event, and I I knew. Like, I knew. You know what I mean? But that's so rare, man. So rare. You said
0: at the beginning of this chat, you said, you know, I went for a few years getting my teeth kicked in, learning from guys. Does it amaze you or fear, just bring fear in your heart or whatever. When you look at some of these young guys coming up now, like it, everybody did what you did. Everybody would come with the exception of the very few, like a Kevin Van Dam and guys like that. But you, there's so many legends that got their heads kicked in for a few years to learn, but it seems like they come ready to swing as soon as they arrive in the elite series now.
1: I used to say you had to be a master of your area yeah. before you ever thought you could go out professionally. It's not that way anymore. You, you hit it on the head, man. These guys are locked and loaded. It's like 20 years put into one year. Like they got all the information. They got all the mindset. There's only one separation time on the water and decision-making, you know, but dude, they're ready. There's nothing that they don't know about how, what, where technology. It's so different. Like we, we spend so much, so much time just learning how to navigate places. And, you know, then we might figure out how to catch them, man. It's not that way anymore. And like, you know, back in the day, Dave, like if so-and-so won a tournament, like wherever you're from, Sure, there was a guy that would win a tournament. You didn't know where he won. No. Unless you we're blessed to be on that same area that day, or you won an event. Nobody knew where you won. You, That's stayed secret. Do people know where everything's won before you even weigh in nowadays? Like, yeah. it's, you know, even at a local level. So everybody's caught up so quick. It's different. There's still, even with all that being said, there's still a few guys that seem like, consistently still do better and there that intrigues me that's what i think intrigues me more about anything about fishing is that there's different levels like i know there's guys that are on a different level than me and it makes me want to keep doing this cuz like i want to see i want to maybe be close to that level one day like we're not all the same you know and even with everybody having the same equipment and the same knowledge, there's still separation. And that shows you there's different levels. And that, that intrigues me big time.
0: Who are those anglers that you would say are on a different, like in your head?
1: I mean, dude, you got Christie. I mean, how long, you know, he's been just, Uh, he's a, uh, you know, hackney man, Palonek. I mean, you could go down the list fighters definitely becoming one of those, you know, not to take anything away from, but he's been on a roll as of late. Um, you know, there's, there's so many guys, there's guys that are not with us anymore on different circuits. there. It's just a different level. And it's been that way for so long with them guys, you know, and I don't know, man, you know, it's, it's an awesome deal. We get to do, you know, and we're not all the same, You know, in any given day, you you can be on top, but some guys stay up there a lot longer. Wheeler, you know, like, I mean, Michael Neal, some of these guys, Thrift, it's different. It's a different deal. Do you think they think they're on a different level? No, I I don't know. for. I mean, everyone's different, but. I know Thrift very well. If you talk to Thrift, you think he's the worst fisherman. Like he's down on himself. He, he doesn't ever let his head get here, you know. But dude, we all know. I mean, yeah. he's, he's nasty, you know. But I don't know how everybody is. Like some guys, they might feel that way and express it that way. But
0: I think you always have to have a bit of a chip. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, I've said it to Wheeler openly. Um, and, and sometimes he's taken the wrong way from me, but I'm like, dude, you, all of those haters are what fuels your fire. And if they go away, your fire, I mean, because look at his life. I mean, his life is, is young kids. You know what the pressure that is, you know, you've, you've won. It's really hard to get to a level, but it's even harder to stay there. But what keeps you there in most situations is the people that said you couldn't do it.
1: You're exactly right, Dave. Yes, sir. And I've had, I've experienced that and it definitely helps somebody really when you want to prove something and you really feel in your heart, it definitely helps you, man. And, And I believe you're dead, dead on with Wheeler. I do. He's nasty regardless, but it's just a little more because there's, there's probably deep down, there's a chip on his shoulder.
0: There has to be. I mean, you have to, uh, you, and and other guys use him as their chip. You know, like I I need to get where Wheeler is. It, something has to drive you to, you know. I, and everybody says, "Oh, I'm just happy to be here. I just want to make a living." I get that. That's how everyone starts. But but when you're there, you wouldn't need 12 hours to recover from a bad one if you didn't care.
1: <laughs> you're exactly right. Believe believe me, Dave. There's it. It's. I I don't show it, man, but like, I want to do it. You know, I want to, I want to win events. I want to do it all. And it, 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 nobody's harder than yourself, man. You, you know, you hold yourself to such a level and you're so hard on yourself when you don't do good. But just from a family atmosphere, I need, I need that 12 hours, you know, before daddy can be daddy and I can be a husband, a proper husband, you know, let me get that 12 hours just to, (laughs) you know, because it's, it's weighing on me. What's the toughest thing about being a professional angler? For Brian Schmidt, it's the time away, the travel. Now the kids are getting to that age. You know, when Dylan was two or three, it didn't matter. You know, I got a two-year-old daughter, Dave, but I got an eight-year-old son. He sees me hook up to the boat. That's a tough deal. The time away, um, you know, the travel and the time away, that's it. That's it. You
0: know, I, I, I think that, I mean, that, that's what I, it's always my answer, you know, being away from home and um, toughest thing to leave, but the greatest thing to come home to yeah. and it, it's, it's tough that way, but what's the greatest thing about
1: being a professional angler? When, when you outdid your competitors and you get to hold a trophy, you know, that that's the best rewarding deal. It one day, man, it could be luck. Four days, buddy, it's not luck. You won the chess match for four days. There is nothing better than that, man. It, 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 you know, the trophy is the deal because you're the winner. No, you know what I mean? You won this, you, you conquered this deal. And that, that's me, man. Like I, (laughs) I want the trophies, you know, and, and, I don't know, you know, make, making a classic, that's awesome, you know, you, that shows consistency, and you need to be there to have a chance to win a classic, but just winning, in, win in events.
0: So do we need to get more hate in your life? If we figured out, like, to, the way to get rid of these 80s is just for me to trash talk you a little bit.
1: If, if somebody <laughs> really, liked, like, got me in an argument, you know, maybe before the tournament every week and 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 struck something that, you know, maybe this would... Dude, I don't know, Dave. I, I don't know. I don't know.
0: All right. Well, be- before we finish this, I need to clear up one thing because somebody's going to bring it up in the comments if I don't because there was this rumor going around and me and you have discussed it that said I was saying you talk funny, which I did not, which is kind of ironic that a Canadian is saying that somebody talks funny. I just said... Brian Schmidt's a super good dude. I always want to talk to him. I just always don't know if I have enough time to talk to him because you're from a part of the country where you guys talk a little slower. Is that, is that the area you grew up in or is that just a Schmidt characteristic?
1: I think it's a Schmidt deal and Dave, we're all good. I've heard a whole life. I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I'm not going to change. I'm not going to worry how I, worry, how I speak. It is what it is, man. And I, you're not the first person. You won't be the last person. I don't know what it is. It's just me.
0: Well, I mean, I, I didn't mean it in a bad way, but it is funny. <laughs> I love that about Bass Live. Like people will pick up this little thing. You can say 17 things, like how good he is at this, this, and this. And be like, oh, man, but he is a slow talker. That is all they hear. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, there's always that man. It's all good. You can't make everybody happy for sure.
0: Well, you've made me happy by joining me for this little chat. Um, me, man. I look forward to seeing how this season uh, plays out for you. And my prediction is you're going to have a big tail end to the season. Wh- which one do we want? Got to watch for you most on.
1: You better watch me here on o- Ontario. I'm. I'm not going to let the. The Johnson, listen, 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 listen. Hold on. First of all, Corey and Chris, I bow to them. They, there's no disputing; they're the masters there. But Brian Schmidt is going to be part of the party. I'm going to be out on the lake. We're going to get we're going to get down to business. So, not saying I'm going to beat them, but I'm going to be part of the party. So, number one, Lake Ontario. Here we come.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing it. And uh, what they've done there is amazing. But, but um, Corey still hasn't won there on the Elite <laughs> Series. So uh, oh, I will always remind him he is the only Canadian not to win on the Bassmaster Elite Series. And, uh, man, he, it, it's got to be getting less. His advantage gets less every time we go there, right?
1: Dude, it, it is. But Canada's open. Dave, you already know it's going to be tough to, to hand, handle both of those guys. Corey, dude, he's won so much. Back, you know, the Toyotas, like he's yeah. always so overdue, overdue. You know, like I know Corey well before I knew Chris. Like some people think Chris is better. Some people think Corey. I know what Corey can do. And yeah. uh, I'm telling you, it's going to be a tough mountain to climb with Canada open, buddy. I already know it. And uh, I I hope, you know, I hope I do well, but I, I really hope for the hometown's sake and, and all the pressure they probably have on them having to perform there every time. You know, I hope one of them does really, really well. I, I
0: mean, if he were to win this one, he could, uh, he would actually become the first Canadian to win while Canadians could actually attend the weigh-in. <laughs> there you go.
1: See? and Canada was open, you know, there's gotcha. Canada order.
0: Look out, look out. Look. We'll s- see what happens. But uh, Brian Schmidt, I'm glad we took the time to chat a little, and I hope hopefully you can come back on here in the future and uh, go win some tournaments.
1: Will do, Dave. Thank you, brother. See you Thank soon. You.
0: Thank you. Take care. That right there is a good dude. Um, I told you it was going to be a fun one, and and I think it was. I mean, Brian Schmidt is just a good dude. I mean, he's one of those people. Whether you meet him on the Bassmaster Elite Series, you meet him at a neighborhood party. I mean, he's just a good dude. I mean, it, who wouldn't want Brian Schmidt to be their neighbor? I mean, he's basically the the Ned Flanders of fishing. Um, he's just a just a good. Good dude. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. And um, I really did. And I'm sure we'll have Schmidt back on in the future. And um, I look forward to seeing how things work out for him at the tail end of the season. I'm predicting he's going to have a a good run. Um, speaking of the rest of the season, I want to hear from you guys. First of all, I always tell you, likes are so important on every single platform. So make sure you like it, thumbs up it, whatever it is on the particular platform you're leaving, you're listening to help us out that way. But number two, I want to know who you'd like to see on this show. Um, We have a lot of great guests. There's no science that goes into it like I need to have this guy. But it's it's just, you know, the people that I'm talking to that week. And then we're like, let's do a podcast. So let me know who you'd like to see on this podcast. Uh, Let me know that in comments. And thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. And as always, Bob Cobb, take it away.
1: Thanks for watching, please like, comment and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to, you hear?